0: Chapter 12 of The House with the Twisting Passage by Marion St. John Webb. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Zenusha. The House with the Twisting Passage by Marion St. John Webb. Chapter 12 Taramina's Tale When Jenny went to tea with Taramina, she found that, although she was indeed foreign, she could speak English. Rather curious English, it is true, and often difficult to understand, but after a while Jenny got used to it if it were written down as taramina said it it would be very difficult to read so the story she told to jenny and that jenny repeated to me and that i am writing down for you i have put into english which all of us can understand jenny asked me to tell you this because she wants you to know that taramina really is awfully foreign and she was afraid you mightn't realize this when reading her story unless you were told the story came through jenny's saying as she was spreading some apricot jam on her bread and butter what beautiful beads they are round your neck ah said taramina but yes they are beautiful are they not i would not part with them i dare not part with them for anything in the world they hold for me a warning which they will give me when the time comes jenny crinkled her eyebrows up do you not understand what i mean no of course not but please to take some more bread and butter and i will explain myself said taramana the necklace THIS STORY HAS NO BEGINNING AND NO END, ONLY WHAT YOU WOULD CALL A MIDDLE. THIS NECKLACE OF beads THAT I AM WEARING, AND WHICH YOU CALL BEAUTIFUL, YOU HAVE NEVER SEEN A NECKLACE EXACTLY LIKE IT, HAVE YOU? NO. IT IS VERY RARE. IT IS VERY SPECIAL. AND I WILL TELL YOU HOW I CAME TO WEAR IT, AND WHY I WOULD NOT GIVE IT AWAY not for all the gold you could offer me for hundreds of years this necklace has been in the possession of our family it is constantly being passed on from one to the other of us in turn and to each wearer it does a kindness by warning when danger is ahead how can beads give a warning i expect you are saying to yourself i will tell you whenever the person who is wearing these beads is about to run into danger the necklace breaks and all the beads are scattered no matter how strongly the beads are threaded no matter how firm the clasp the necklace breaks apart that is a sign whatever the owner of the necklace is about to do she or he must stop stop at once It is a warning that there is danger in whatever she was about to do. Afterwards, she gathers up the scattered beads, puts them back into their casket, and takes them to the head of our family, who threads the beads again and passes the necklace on to the member whose turn it is to have them next. And there is one very curious thing: when they break and scatter, always one bead disappears, is lost search how you will one bead is always missing it has ever been so this necklace was once a long chain three hundred years ago perhaps but it has broken many times and grown smaller and smaller until it is the size you see it now and when it breaks on me one of these beads will roll away and i shall not be able to find it and so i shall pass on the necklace with one bead less so it will go on until the last wearer has merely a necklace of thread with one bead in the centre when that breaks it is the end and no more will the necklace give its warnings to our family oh this sounds very strange to you no doubt you can hardly believe it well i can only tell you that it is so the beads came from a mummy's tomb so i have been told but how it was discovered that they had so strange a power to protect the wearer, i do not know i tell you that there is no beginning to this story but i can tell you the middle which is about the person alas who had the necklace before me ah but she was foolish my cousin tessa she was too what do you call it new up to date too modern these beads she said old superstition when they break the thread has worn out and she was not heed our grandmother's solemn warning when it became her turn to have the beads i will wear the beads because i think them beautiful said tessa but when they break i will take no notice i will prove to you and to all the rest of the family that you have been wrong to keep up this old superstition tessa had found out that all down the years no one had ever defied the warning when it came so how can you know that anything dangerous would have happened perhaps if they had all gone on doing what they were doing when the beads broke no harm would have come to them And then it would have been absurd. And we should not have had this old story handed down, Tessa argued, and would not listen to advice. She insisted that when the warning came to her she would disregard it and see what happened. For months she wore the necklace, went about her work with it always round her neck, and then one day she set out to go to the sea for a holiday. Her brother went with her to the station to see her off. They had scarcely arrived on the platform and were attending to a porter who was putting Tessa's luggage in the train when suddenly the necklace snapped and the beads rolled over the platform. Tessa stood perfectly still for a moment. She went very white. Then, as she heard the gasp of dismay her brother gave, she tossed her head and smiled we must gather them up quickly she said or i shall lose the train and she began picking up the beads and putting them into her handbag tessa said her brother in a voice of reproach don't be silly i will tell the porter to get your luggage out again quick you will do nothing of the kind said tessa But her brother, very excited by this time, pleaded hard. There would surely be an accident to the train, and she would be killed, he said, and implored her not to fly in the face of the warning. He begged, and pleaded, and threatened, and scolded, but it was all in vain. Very white, but very determined, Tessa got on to the train. I will send you a telegram directly I meet Aunt, she said, smiling and trying to speak carelessly. And as the train began to move, she waved her hand from the carriage window. The train steamed out of the station, and Tessa's brother stood straining anxiously to catch a last glimpse of her, for he felt certain he would not see her again. I ought never to have let her go. HE SAID TO HIMSELF, AS HE HURRIED HOME TO AWAIT HER TELEGRAM. BUT WHAT COULD I DO? SHE IS NOT LIKE A SMALL CHILD THAT I COULD PICK UP AND CARRY INTO A CAB. SHE MUST GO HER OWN WAY. AND SECRETLY HE FELT RATHER PROUD AT the COURAGE SHE HAD SHOWN. TWO HOURS LATER HER TELEGRAM CAME. SHE HAD GOT TO HER DESTINATION QUITE SAFELY. There had been no accident to the train. Otessa's brother was overjoyed. After all, Tessa had been right, she with her sensible ways. Still, he would not be quite easy till she was home again. The warning might have meant that some ill luck would befall her on her visit, not on her journey there. But he would banish these mournful thoughts. He would not think any more about the warning, he determined. A week went by, and then one evening another telegram arrived. It was from the aunt. She was in terrible distress. Tessa had gone out in a little boat for a sail, and she had not come back. The boat had floated in upside down. Tessa was drowned. They found her later, poor foolish one. She had defied the warning and she was dead. So the necklace was passed on to me, and I am waiting. When the warning comes to me, I shall take heed. I shall remember poor Tessa. And now. You understand why my story has only a middle, no beginning, and no end. End of chapter 12.